The following is a presentation of Muddy River News. Hi, this is Ron Kinchurf, and welcome to Book Nook. Book Nook is brought to you by the Quincy Public Library. For all the activities and all the fun things you can do with yourself, with your friends, or with your kids, make sure you check out quincylibrary.org. Uh, today we're going to talk with Chris Curtis. He is a first-time author, and he has written a nonfiction memoir about the early years of his life called The Dark Side of Orange, and it's about his life in Orange County. I'm sure many of you have heard of Orange County, and we think of Orange County and think of sunny and beach and all kinds of warm weather that you experience in California. But there's a dark side, drive-by shootings or daily occurrence, and parents aren't the parents that you would think they would be. And Chris' first experience with drugs was with his father at the age of 12 or 13, and he turned into a gang member who spent many years in prison and was sentenced to life under the three-strike rule that California had in place. He was able to get out when they changed the law, changed the rule, and this is his story. And the first question I ask Chris Curtis is, are you surprised you're alive? He should have been killed, and I don't know, like, uh, you know, how, you know, I broke my neck in a motorcycle accident, I've been shot at, um... There's just a bunch of things. I go on and on about the uh, the close calls. And, uh, yeah, sometimes I am surprised, you know. Uh, but looking Honestly. back. Uh, yeah, but, okay. That's what I was curious about because I, as I finished the book, I was just uh, amazed that you got through it all and also how matter-of-factly you talked about your life. Like, you know, it was just a typical day in the neighborhood was for you to, do the things that you did in the book. Yeah, I was uh, I was a very uh, selfish person at that time. Um, I didn't care about nobody but myself, you know. And uh, you know, I was uh, had no passion. I was just you know a, a messed up person at that time in my life, you know. But um, I I didn't get the impression though that you didn't care for other people. I mean, throughout the book, you talked about people you loved and your homies you ran around with and the people well, you were yeah, comfortable with. my friends, but, uh, you know, either way, you know, of course, I was with my friends, you know, and my, my, you know, all that, of course, you know. But, you know, if you weren't my friend, I really didn't care about you, you know. Uh, you know, uh, it's like a, uh, it's just the way it is, you know, you you survive, you know, you've got your friends or your homeboys or whatever you want to call it. And you do what you have to do to survive, you know, um, either way in the end, you know, uh, I really didn't care about nobody, you know, um, I definitely didn't care about my daughter. If I would have, I would have never left her. You know, I, I did care about her. Don't get me wrong, but I really, you know, I, I guess like what I'm trying to say is the drugs just make you, uh, make you numb, you know, and you come to the point in your life where that lifestyle becomes so normal to you that what you're doing, you don't even see it as being, uh, wrong, you know, and, uh, you just, you just keep going and, and it that, just escalates. And that's the impression you know? I, and that's the impression I got from the story was it was just your regular life. You know, it, it yeah. it's just what you did on a daily basis. So, uh, my question is, how do you get out of that cycle? I mean, what, obviously you could have stopped doing drugs, blah, 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 but how do you get out of that cycle though when you're in the middle of it? Well, 
you know, I went to prison, you know, um, and, uh, during my time in prison for the first, you know, 10 years, I just, you know, I continued to use drugs. I continued to, uh, I continued just to be, you know, just try to get through the days. At that point, you know, you got so many people around you that are really just the same that uh, you, now you're just in total survival. You just want to make it through the day. You don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. People are getting stabbed all the time. Um, and then uh, what eventually happened was I started doing some groups because I just didn't want to sit around and do nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess I started getting, I started getting older. So I just didn't want to sit around and do nothing. And then uh, I started doing groups here and there. You know, I got an electrical vocation during that time. Um, and I was still, like, using drugs here and there. I still get, you know, and then eventually what happened was in 2015, I ended up in the hole again, as what they call ad seg. And I woke up and just said, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like, uh, I just don't want to. You know, it's my daughter's birthday. I'm in ADSEG, and uh, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I, you know, told myself, you know, even if I die in prison, which at that time, you know, they weren't letting no lifers out, so that's what I thought was going to happen. I wanted to die and be a good person, you know, like just be a normal person, you know. And uh, I started taking all these groups, you know. And uh, in prison, they started all these real rehabilitation groups. And... uh Eventually, what happened was, you know, I just started changing. You know, I started learning about, you know, victims' impact, the impacts that crime has, just the things that, you know, how you hurt your family, you hurt the community, you know, you're ruining lives, you know. By selling drugs, you're ruining lives. You know, you're selling to people who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? On these drugs, you know, they're neglecting their kids or whatever, you know. And uh I just... I just started changing. And then, uh, you know, I started doing more and more groups. I started facilitating groups. Um, and then, uh, next thing you know, they're talking about letting three strikers out as long as you can get through the board of prison terms. You know, as long as you can explain to them, you know, how you ended up, how you were and how you changed your life and who you are now compared to who you were then. And, you know, and, uh, and I went to board and on my first, my first board hearing at my initial, I got found suitable and, uh, they said they were going to release me. And, uh, that was, uh, January 12th. I got out of last year. I wrote this book, um, between like 2011 and 2013, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, with the pen, with the pencil on a piece of paper and a typewriter. Right. And, uh, you know, I ended the book then that, you know, in prison, you know, that I, I was doing life in prison. So then when I got out, you know, I decided to try to talk to some people and I did. And what eventually happened was, you know, they, they read it and said, Hey, you definitely have something here. And the best part about it is, is that, you know, you change your life and now you're doing good. So you can rewrite the ending and kind of like, you know, maybe this book will help some people. And that's kind of like the goal now is to hopefully, uh, you know, help some people out, you know, and let them know that, you know, for one, you can change. No matter who you are or what you've done, if I can change, anybody can change, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been out a year. Um 
you know, I've got, you know, I just bought a new truck last Friday. Um, you know, my life's great. And I've never once in my life that I can remember where I've had like just been normal where, you know, just a, a normal, a good person, you know, someone that my friends can be proud of. My family can be proud of. I'm just a, a, a pro-social person now mm-hmm. compared to just being anti-social and just being destructive. So when you, and, uh, uh, sorry, uh, go the, ahead. the no, go ahead. so when you got out, the, so you got out a third time and you got out, you know, you were third strike, so you served time two other no, times. Actually, I, I only did one one time. So I shot two people in nineteen ninety five mm-hmm. and uh it was it was right before like uh if you use a ju- gun in California you, you go to jail for life. I just missed that law by a couple of months. But the shooting was aggravated assault with a firearm. Mm-hmm. So it was more of like one of those uh shootings where it's like self-defense, but, you know, it, it's an aggravated assault. So these guys started the whole thing. You know, I shot them or whatever. And I only got six years for that. But since I shot two people, I got a strike for causing great bodily harm to each one. So I got two strikes for one case. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Six years on that. And then uh I got out. You know, I actually thought I was never getting, you know, at the end of my six-year term, I thought I wasn't getting, you know, I stopped using stuff and like, yeah, I'm not coming back because I know if I get in trouble again, I'm getting life. There's just no way. And I'll never get out because at that time, they just lifers were going to board. They just denied everybody. It's just, it wasn't happening. And then, uh, I got out and then a couple months later, I started using again and, uh, it just happened just like that, you know? And then next thing you know, I'm carrying a gun again. And, uh, selling drugs and just running drugs all over, you know, the state, mm-hmm. Idaho, Arizona. And, uh, I got surrounded by the cops again. Mm-hmm. And of course I had a gun on me and a bunch of meth and I got in another high speed chase and got 28 to life. So, uh, yeah, it was terrible. That was when I got busted. It was terrible, man. So how, when, how scared were you? when you got out this last time a year ago that you would fall back into your old habits? You know what? I wasn't, I wasn't, you were okay. I, uh, no, uh, I was scared on what's going to happen. Like as to like, you know, like I was more concerned about like what's going on out in the streets with people and who's doing what, mm-hmm. who's still out or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, do I have any enemies that are, you know what I mean? Come yeah. Just whatever, you know, that, I was more worried about that than anything, but, uh, it's crazy now because everybody, like 80% of us, 80% of the people that I ran with, you know, are sober now and they run halfway houses or detox centers. They own businesses, you know, they're doing really well. And the, the ones that are not, you know, we, I don't hang out with, you know, I, I'll talk to them on Facebook or whatever, like, you know, Hey, how you doing? But, uh, yeah, I wasn't really worried about using, you know, after you lose your life, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but for me, once you lose your life, like literally lose your freedom, your life, you know, uh, and then you get it back, it's a whole different, uh, it's a different, whole different thing, man. It's, uh, did you, you, know, you did you think, okay, uh, I'm gonna ask you to tell a story about how this all started, but, um, well, why don't you go ahead and do that? It was with your dad, and you were barely a teenager, oh, when right? I was a kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so we we were pretty had a pretty good, you know, fam. We had a pretty good family. You know, my dad had a good business. 
Um, you know, we had money, played baseball. My dad was a baseball coach, you know, owned a company. And then, uh, when I was around 12 years old, you know, things just started changing. You know, we, we lost our house. Um, and then, uh, ultimately by the time I was 13 years old, my parents got divorced. I moved in with my dad and then, uh, I, uh, you know, my dad, you know, started me on cocaine when I was 13 years old. Me and my best friend. Right. So on New Year's night. So how do you have a chance that that's the, uh, how, did you even have a chance to have a normal life at that point? You know what? Um, no, you know, that put me on a terrible path, you know, um, on the other hand, though, you know, there have people that have gone through the same thing and they've come out, you know, they've, they've made it through and, you know, never been in trouble either. But yes, I mean, uh, I mean, that's, that's your dad. Yeah. That's your dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. your baseball coach. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, and the thing is, I, I got lines for doing the dishes for uh, Christmas, you know, um, it was, yeah, it was, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world being a kid. You know, I just ran with it. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, this is great. Me and my friends, we were like, my dad's cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ultimately, I just turned into a drug addict, you know. Um, and that's all I did for years, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just kept, uh, I just kept going. I didn't stop. I didn't ask for help. People tried to help me or but, whatever, like, but I didn't want it. Yeah, but I don't know how. I, I, I think it would be very hard for you to ask for help at that point because you just thought that was your that was normal. Your dad, I mean, every dad gives their kids crack, or you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I, I just yeah. think you're fighting an uphill battle at that point. Um, yeah, of course, you know. But now that I look at it, there were people that did try to help yeah. me, like some of my mom's friends, you know, like just whatever. People would tell me, "Hey, Chris, you're going up too fast." Or yeah. So the, the the one thing that surprised me also was the number of times where there were kids in the house, you know, as you grew into an adult and you and your buddies yeah. would be in a room and there were children in the house. You had mentioned a number of times where you would take somebody's kid outside and play and then go yeah. back in and, you know, do math or whatever. I just found that startling, the amount of children yeah. that were around you guys oh, during yeah, this stage in your life. It's, and it's all over. That's the thing, dude. So that's what I was saying earlier is like, um, you're not only when you're, when you're in drug addiction, you're not only hurting yourself, but everybody around you, especially if you have kids, um, you know, you're not paying any attention to them. And ultimately what you're doing is the same thing my dad did to me. You know, uh, these kids are not getting no attention. They're not getting love. And then what happens is these kids, like as for myself, I wasn't getting love at home, so I went out elsewhere to get it, and mm-hmm. I found it in gang members, you know, uh, that I thought cared about me. You know, they said they cared, but in the end, I mean, you know, uh, they really don't, you know. Um, and uh, ultimately, I started running the streets. Um, my mom was sick of it, you know, um, and I started running the streets, and I had nowhere to go, and... uh some guys, some gang members took me in, you know, and uh I started running around with these guys. And then the next thing you know, I'm getting shot at and uh I started carrying a gun. Uh, the, the, I think, uh do you feel like in the early stages of the book that you were a pretty good guy 
uh, you talked about playing, you know, with people's dogs and, you know, taking care of kids and all that type of stuff. Um, you're, you're yeah, a pretty well, good so, guy. You were a pretty good guy, but you just happened to be on drugs. It was just, I was just a drug addict. Yeah. I would say I was a really good guy. I mean, um, but I would say that, you know, I did have a, I did have a heart. I wasn't violent. Mm-hmm. I wasn't cruel, like really cruel. I was just a drug addict, you know? Um, but then ultimately I started getting bullied a little bit on the streets, you know, like by these, uh, by these, you know, tougher kids, you know? And, uh, the guys that I was hanging around with, you know, they beat me up for not being tough, you know, and ultimately, you know, saying like, Hey, you're never going to, you're never going to make it unless you, uh, unless you toughen up, you know? And I just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll never be like you guys. That's what I told myself. Like, I'm not going to be like these guys. There's no way. You mentioned, you mentioned partially through the book that there are all the systems in place to help kids um failed you. So what type of systems failed you? Um well I think that uh I think that, you know, I think the school knew what was going on. They had to have. You know, I think that um just a lot of things, you know, um you know, the probation department. It's just it's just like uh I think that a lot of the people knew what was going on, but in the eighties you know, that they were just like, there was, it was more like just, you know, we're not going to deal with this, this stuff, you mm-hmm. know, so much to where it is now. Like now, um, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure that something would have happened. I don't know if it would have changed me and made a difference. I mean, don't get me wrong, but, uh, I think that, uh, I think the si- I think, you know, I went to Judah Hall a few times and, uh, I don't know. I just think that, I mean, I remember one time, so I got, I got tested and got a dirty for meth. And I was just about to get off of, uh, I was just about to get off, off of, uh, probation. And, uh, I got a dirty for meth. And then the probation officer was like, uh, well, yeah, hey, you know, um, she knew that I took Ridley. I used to take Ritalin, which is, which is meth. If, you te- if you're on Ritalin and you test, you're going to come up dirty for meth. So her and my mom worked out a thing where she put me on Ritalin so I could get off probation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, that's just one thing. But I think that, uh, I think, I, that's what I think about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Um, do you have a relationship with your daughter right now? Oh, of course. Yeah. What, what about, um, what about the mom? Um, no, the mom, she, she got killed. She died oh, in like gosh. 2007. Oh, I'm sorry. So, oh yeah, it was terrible. So what happened was, uh, she had a boyfriend and, uh, it was domestic violence and, and he shot her in the face with the shotgun, okay. bird shot. Man, I, so who's your daughter with right now? Oh, she, she lives in Murrieta. She's 27 years old now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I wrote her the whole time I was in prison. I wrote her every week and, uh, I kept in contact with her, you know, and surprisingly, you know, she's not mad at me, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, I thought she would be like, but I always ask her, like, you're not mad at me. She says, no, I mean, you tried, you were, you always wrote, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, but she's, she turned out great. You know, she was, uh, ended up living with her grandparents. Yeah. Are you a grandfather? Am I? No, not yet. Okay. I didn't know um, she had children yet or not. So, uh, so, not yet. so how do you, what type of grandfather do you think you're going to make? 
What type uh, of? I think I'll be a good one. Is that something you're looking forward to? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I, yeah. You know. uh, where are you from? Uh, and this, I'll wrap it up with this from a self-esteem perspective. I mean, after all you've been through, um, how do you feel about yourself right now? Um, I feel really good. You know, um, I still, uh, you know, I still kind of have like low self-esteem, not like low self-esteem, but I kind of like, I'm, uh, how do I say that? I just kind of not sure of myself sometimes around people. Like I've mm-hmm. always been like that. Like, if I don't know people, really, I won't talk around them, you know. But when I get to know them, I'm really like, hey, you know, what's up? But uh, but for the most part, you know, I feel really, you know, I feel really good. Um, I start I started my own business that I'll start doing on the weekends. Um, but as I'm working my regular electrician job, I'll do it on the weekends, this business that I'm starting. So that's Chris Curtis. His new memoir is titled The Dark Side of Orange. It will be available in mid-March. You can head to IndiesUnited.net to find it. And just a remarkable story. Book Nook has been brought to you by the Quincy Public Library. Make sure you go to QuincyLibrary.org to find out about all the fun activities that they provide for our community. I'm Ron Kinsherve, and this has been Book Nook with Muddy River News. Muddy River News. Our home. Our news.